Welcome to Talking History, a series of talks from Farnham U3A History Group. In this talk, we hear about Darwin and evolution from Sam Osmond. Part B. Well, I now just want to switch a bit from Christianity and talk about a man called Herbert Spencer. You may never have heard of him, but in the middle of the 19th century, he was a leading philosopher of the whole age. And he promulgated his own ideas about evolution in in his all-embracing history of the theory of science. He read Darwin's book, Darwin's Species, and grudgingly accepted its conclusion. But he suggested to Darwin that really survival of the fittest was a better description than natural selection. It was a fair point, and Darwin accepted it and used the phrase survival of the fittest in later editions of the origin of the species. But this form, or this term, got rather misused by some Victorian economists and philosophers. They used it to justify laissez-faire economics and the natural subjugation of poorer peoples at home and poorer races abroad. Saying that letting poorer or weaker people go under was a form of what they call social Darwinism. In fact, you can trace the development of the idea of social Darwinism right through to Nazi Germany. And you can argue that in the 1950s, social Darwinism was an element of Nazism. Now, Darwin was not an ardent racist. He was strongly opposed to slavery, for example. And he did believe that people of any race, even Freudians, could become civilized. But like all Victorians, he talked of civilized and uncivilized races in a way which today is very, very un-PC. In fact, today, any talk of race is a minefield. I found this at Westminster Abbey when writing an article on people of different races in the Abbey. And any talk of race is a minefield. So we try and avoid talking about race. I believe that A.N. Wilson, who's written a lot of scholarly books, is about to produce very shortly, a book <coughs> suggesting that Darwin was a racist, which is a terrible term to use today, and he was a fascist rather than a kindly old Victorian. Well, okay, I think every generation likes to prove uh, something different to what the previous generation thought. Uh, I find it difficult to think of uh, Darwin as a fascist, but certainly he did talk about races and inferior and, and superior races. The next aspect I want to talk about is eugenics and selective breeding. Now, the idea of selective breeding is not really a new idea. We can go back 2,000 years, and Plato was talking about selective breeding of humans in 400 BC. And in the 18th century, more recently, uh, livestock breeding became highly developed in Britain, superior uh, species of sheep and cattle. 
And from that, it was not too difficult to transfer the idea to humans, humankind. And the full title of Darwin's great book is The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. I mentioned that in a later book, Darwin was more explicit about the descent of man, and he incorporated some of Spencer's uh, ideas uh, in his book, The Descent of Man. He talked about inferior races and classes who will be the losers. In fact, the term eugenics was coined by a cousin of Darwin's called Francis Dalton in 1883, the year it was first used, was the year after Darwin's death. And Darwin's son, who became Major Leonard Darwin, became chair of the Eugenics Society in 1912. Now, in some ways, you can argue that eugenics applied to humans is a good thing. In a good sense, it involves encouraging the best and brightest people to have lots of children. But there is um, a bad side as well. Um, you can have negative eugenics, which involves preventing less satisfactory citizens, uh, such as uh, criminals, cripples, mentally retarded people, from having children. Now, this seems a, a barbaric idea today. But in fact, sterilization of what you might call the feeble-minded uh, was practiced quite widely in some very advanced countries uh, like Sweden and the United States and Australia. The subject of eugenics is very uh, non-politically correct today. But we're starting to develop a form of eugenics by trying to breed out susceptibility to certain inherited diseases by manipulating DNA. This may be a good thing, or it may be the beginning of a slippery slope. But many subsequent scientists tried to prove Darwin wrong. But, um, in fact, none of them have. But Richard Dawkins is arguably one of the uh, leading biologists of the day. But going back to Darwin's day, he didn't have detailed ideas of heredity. But one of his contemporaries was the monk Mendel, who developed new ideas of genetics with a lot of experiments on mice and on peas. And subsequently, confirming Darwin's theory, uh, fossils, more fossils have been found all over the world, and they have on the whole tended to confirm Darwin's theory of evolution. Then in 1953, Crick and Watson decoded DNA. And it's now possible to analyze fossil DNA. Again, it supports Darwin's theory of evolution. And uh, apart from facilitating genetic engineering by DNA, uh, as I mentioned above, this showed that humans and apes, DNA is 99% the same, very much supporting the analysis classification and Darwin's theory of evolution. Richard Dawkins, as I've mentioned, strongly supports Darwin's theories of evolution and traces it back to the earliest times when bacteria were being created via photosynthesis or volcanic undersea vents. And he describes the complex process whereby some of those bacteria involved over billions of years 
into the animal life of today. I personally find this particular concept quite difficult to grasp. I can grasp how we may be descended from the same family as apes, but to think that we are descended, or all the true, all life is descended from bacteria that existed three and a half billion years ago is quite a difficult leap of faith. However, if you read Richard Dawkins, maybe you will believe. Dawkins, of course, is also famous for his book, The God Delusion. He's puzzled by the continuation of religion and what he calls superstition, and argues that atheism is the only rational belief. Darwin, as I mentioned, became agnostic, but he was never atheist, and most Christians today, whether scientists or not, had no problem in reconciling his theory of evolution with Christianity. Now, I'd like to wait for that for um, discussion, but just before that, I'd just like to remind people that tomorrow is the 210th anniversary of Darwin's birth. And it's celebrated as Darwin Day in many, by many scientists and, and humanists worldwide, and in many universities. And Darwin Day, therefore, is tomorrow the choice of failure. The views expressed by the speaker are not necessarily the same as those held by the team at the Mr. T Podcast Studio. This podcast is produced by the Mr. T Podcast Studio in association with the Farnham U3A Group.